here in part two, we go into the structure of financial decision making. And it's powerful. Thanks for listening. Back in the early deal, in the early days, whenever Nelson, you know, and God bless him, he wouldn't answer a question directly uh, initially, right? I mean, it's not like he avoided answer, answering questions. He did not. He would ask you a question to make you think and make mm-hmm. to encourage you to get to your own answer because it was typically pretty clear most of the time. Yeah. Um, but that would make people angry. And then, what do you mean I'm already spending everything that I possibly can spend? Are you? Yeah. And it, but the my my underlying point there was that is the primary should be the primary source of premium is your free cash flow. Period. 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 And are there exceptions? You know, is there a business sale or is there a big property sale? Or have, maybe you saved up a bunch of cash, want to get it out of the banks into the insurance companies? Sure. Yeah. Okay. That's year one. Okay. So after that, for the other decades of your life, there we have this question of what's the source of the premium? And the answer is your ongoing cash flow. And every... Every deviation from that is an excuse to justify a higher premium number early on. It's virtually always the case. And maybe it's appropriate. Maybe there's, maybe that's the entry point. You know, David liked to talk in the past, you know, meet the client where they're at. And I'm like, oh, you're going to have to convince me of that one. Um, <laughs> hey, I had a talk title that several years ago. I'll stand by that. I know, but it's like. <clears throat> You, you know, there's a point where you say yes, 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 and but at some point, it's like the primary you had to revise his spending pattern. The primary source of the premium is ongoing cash flow, and after that, it's a case by case basis, right? Is there a justification for a bit, uh, unusual year one premium? You know that is financially legitimate and makes sense and is it actually advisable not just possible but also advisable sure there's exceptions to every rule and i know there's people sitting there i get the emails before well i've done this you know i paid a big old year one premium and everything worked out fine for me and i'm I'm like okay great good for you you know um are there exceptions sure but how much of the risk do you want to bet and by the way person who sends those emails you know 15 years from the last major financial crisis it's like yeah okay when you carefully curate your historical perspective things look fine like oh you're you know you you decided to start (laughs) taking distributions or retire prior to a major financial crisis it's been a long time since the last one things look well for you my dental hygienist the other day you know it's like oh yeah we you know we bought this property and whatever it was 13 acres you know back in 09 and we just sold it and so that turned out to be a good investment you know as it you know she's talking about because she knows i'm in finance right so let's use the word investment to relate and uh I'm like, okay, well, I mean, I'm glad that worked out for you. You should have started talking dental hygiene. I should have closed. I would have closed my (laughs) mouth entirely had she not been in there with the tool. But, uh, you know, it's like you can't, you don't get to look back at things that coincidentally happened to work out and, and imply that that was a consequence of your deliberate action. Right. That's not how it works. You don't get to say, oh, it it seemed to have worked out. Therefore, the mentality that I took, the reasons that I took, the actions I took were necessary. You know, those two things are necessarily related. You know, that is not 
the case. Cause right? and effect right there, brother. And the 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 <laughs> nature of monetary policy uh, is, uh, makes for like this fertile soil for this kind of impression to come about, right? Like somebody gets rich because they sell just before the dot-com crash, right? They they cash out when the time was right, not because they're like a thorough student of economics and they understand what changes in the money supply mean for the overall economy. Like that would make a difference. Right, but because, <laughs> you know, they happened to get a nice private equity offer, so they sold and now they're wealthy and so people who have no money want to interview them, I get it. And that looks like, ooh, you know, so like this facade of brilliance when really it was just coincident timing with what the fed governors decided to do like you can't extrapolate from that some remarkable genius so you can't then on top of that turn around and use that as the backdrop to then go advise to clients in a a professional capacity like oh it worked for them so it's gonna work for you no no it's that is not the case and how much to, to do otherwise is to conceal the risk, right? You're obfuscating the risk. You're making things look better intellectually, logically, structurally than they really are. And so to say that an individual in that context is going to make an informed decision is in the best case a half truth and maybe just an outright lie. Right, you can't, I thought you're being generous. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing my best here. I mean, you, and and to to think that I, as the agent or the advisor, in a year, eighteen months, two months, or two years, or or twenty years, you know, after the next crisis, after to think that I want to be that guy, you know, that gets the emails or the phone calls, laps the policy, uh, had to had to move, whatever the consequent circumstances are to think that i could be the person who benefited from what turned out to be a catastrophe for the individual that would that to me would be so catastrophic like i i I don't know how i could sleep at night knowing that you know even now when i hit when when something doesn't go (laughs) wrong you know and a policy lapses or the you know we get the premium past due notices and something's not going right i mean my first inclination is what did i do wrong like open the case file back up review the notes was the premium right was the structure appropriate like was this decision made on the right or not decision like was my approach to the conversation yep. legitimate based on the circumstances what did you I leave knew? out did you leave anything out did you cover everything that should have been could have been covered that's real. That's it's so real. real. And to be the guy who, uh, now assuming that all of this, assuming we're it's an apples to apples comparison here, to be the guy who like purposefully sold a policy under the context of this massive maximum loan, maximum leverage type scenario on the eve of a recession, to have even 1%, I mean, it didn't have to happen to a lot of people, for it to go wrong once would make me ill. You know, yeah. I, I couldn't... I don't know how people do it. And I don't think, because I really do believe, you know, the best of intentions and all of this, I don't think they, they're they coming from it from the same approach. And so my response to this guy, to come bring it back to this conversation was, you know, you can speculate however you want. You know, at the end of the day, this is a philosophical difference. It's just a philosophical difference. You know, I'm not... The answer to that whole proposal is no. I, I couldn't. I, my my 
comment to him was i couldn't run away from that fast enough and but you do what you want you know and i'm not and then it, of course you always have the second thing is like well am i just saying things to try to get business and then i look back on the like what was actually said and talk about it with you and it's like no that was are you saying things was, to justify you know your position prior to so right like trying to trying to attract his business you know get him to leave that relationship no 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 and, no it's like if you you have your philosophical foundational beliefs yeah. and understanding you know then 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 you you have a, a new set of information presented to you and then are you um, just holding to your predetermined practiced philosophies yeah to support right am i being dogmatic despite yes, the facts there you go it's a legitimate and yes. i have to because i know yeah. I'm, I'm an overthinker super critical and whatever maybe i talk nicely and that attracts attracts some people and i don't ever want that to be the reason someone says yes and so i do I go back through the whole thought process that leads up to those very few cases that i have where something did go wrong and without exception it's always no i would go back and i'd make the same decision again man <clears throat> you know there's I, I'm proud of you. I, I I know the work you do. So good job. Keep going. Nope. The cherry picking of a timeline that yeah. has to occur most of the time in these well crafted presentations. And some of these presenters, some of these younger people, you know, not even younger. Some of these, you know, digital creators. Isn't that what everybody is online now? Yeah. That. I mean, they're well-spoken and they, they put together, but it's always such a short clip and it's always such a narrow point, you know? Mm -hmm. I see it a lot with IULs, all right? Mm -hmm. We're going to do IUL, the rate of return, rate of return, rate of return. And and I'm thinking, oh, God bless you. Um, <laughs> I don't even think they, and I don't know, it's, I'm not disparaging, I'm, I'm, I want to, I'm, and I'm going to get to a point that I, they might have been in grade school in 2008. Yeah. I don't really know. Yeah. And so their only experience in the financial world, especially in the life insurance industry, is is whomever they're working with. The IMO, the sales organization, maybe it's a full blown legitimate general agency who has, you know, a big background of solid, reputable, high end type of business and service. Uh, that's a no because you can listen to what's coming out of their mouth. So it's not that. Right. But it's a sales, you know, and, and it's a sales machine. You know, let me like multi-level marketing. There's and, and which I think with multi-level marketing just really copied the life insurance industry, in my opinion. But that's topic for another another episode. These young people, their only experience is whatever training they've received on whatever particular product that they're in love with. It's always about the rate of return, typically index universal life currently, and the timeline is always, always. cherry-picked. It's always <clears throat> the best 10 years of the market, whatever. You have to – it's just another part, another another characteristic, another form of the quote-unquote ma manipulation. And that's in my opinion. You know, we're manipulating the numbers on the page to, to make sure that you're comfortable enough saying yes, even though you can't defend yourself and justify – not that you should, you know, have to defend yourself – from financial people but when it comes to i'm going to collateralize my home with a with a heloc and then i'm going to buy a life insurance policy which i have no understanding or no comprehension of the structure but the presentation was so good i'm going to say yes and then i'm going to leverage that i mean i don't know 
my hat is off to these skilled presenters in the third-party software that they use. And I get it. Me, I'm using black and white PowerPoints. You know, I've done tons of modules in the past and you know and i can put together a module you know i mean i can i can i can talk about math and numbers and all of that but if i created the best illustration that out mass or out manipulates the math of a universal life illustration and get to the point where they say yes i get paid you know there's i know there's going to be a train wreck in the future how in the hell can i feel good about that yeah you can't you can't you know and so if it didn't ride, I'd rather walk away. I'm okay. Yeah. No business, no business. is better than bad business, I'm telling you. <clears throat> okay. And I, I think a lot of these, in addition to all the good intentions and all that, I just like you've told me in the past, you know, they end up counting money they hadn't earned yet. Oh See, my gosh. Oh, there's the all that or whatever. Yeah. There's yeah. all that equity built up in that house. That would could imply, you know, X amount of premium, which would mean Y amount of commission and mm. You know, I I counted it before I earned it. Oh no! See, here here's here's where here's where I think it, that would apply. Maybe you had, and I know you did, have a legitimate conversation with the individual, and you you're not trying to beat him up intellectually or anything like that. Uh, your why is a legitimate question, probably one of the best ones you can ask yourself or the mm-hmm. agent you're with or whomever. You know, why? Just explain to me why, please. Yeah, and it it's a it's a fair question, right? Um, now, after that conversation, and I don't know how it ended, but you can you can feel the same. But it ended, and and however it ended, you know, he had re, he received an opposing philosophy mm-hmm. and, a, and an opposing view, right? And now he goes away. Um, and this is big in the insurance or the financial services industry. You know, you gotta you gotta berate the other advisor, the other agent sufficiently enough to get the consumer to get mad and walk away, so you can get paid. Blah blah blah. Um, so he he might have uh, that 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 conversation may or may not have encouraged him to continue thinking and maybe make a better decision. Right, and if it did. Then the other agent, whomever he was working with, I'll guarantee had already counted the money and already spent it. Yeah. Right. But it wasn't issued and delivered and all of that. Right. So look at you counting something that you didn't have. And you can't ever lose anything that you've never had. You cannot lose something that you don't have. So uh, just thanks for letting me expand on that. No, yeah. And that that definitely goes on in the background. And, um, it's ignorance, in my opinion. You know that, that ignorance is ignorance, right? Ignorance is not a bad thing; it can be corrected, right? <clears throat> so he was ignorant, in my opinion, of the the probabilities of a policy and a and a solution being put together and built that way. The further out you go, the probability of a train wreck gets greater and greater. The further you go, the I mean, the the bigger the wreck is going to be. Yeah. Um, and then the individual, and I don't know the individual that whomever put that together for him, but surely they had to be operating out of ignorance. You do know the individual. I do. Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> uh, do I know them? Know them or just know of them? You do I like play golf with them? Uh, I'm kidding. You I don't met golf. them. Oh, great! I can't wait. More than once. So, uh, and I'm just saying that it, if it, if you're ignorant, you can correct that, right? You can yeah. learn, right? And and speaking of learning, you know, becoming your own banker, right? By R. Nelson Nash, second book, Building Your Warehouse of Wealth. 
third book that I particularly like and encourage you to read is How Privatized Banking Really Works, uh, Bob Murphy and Carlos Lara. And then Nelson's six-and-a-half-hour DVD series lecture on his book. It's really his presentation, live presentation. Whittled down to six-and-a-half hours, available on DVD that you could purchase and also available through digital you know, access. Um, that's the foundation. All these click funnels, all of these side programs, these you know special programs, the learning series, this series or that series, perfect. The foundational learning, first principles, first materials, becoming your own banker, building a warehouse of wealth, how privatized banking really works, and Nelson's six-and-a-half-hour DVD series, lecture series, live, him delivering that live. That's the foundation. Spend your time and money there first, and then go and enjoy all the rest of it. It will help you, number one, spot the noise, hear the truth, spot the less than honest or less than clear, you know, hyperbole that's out there. Uh, that's yeah. my encouragement. And, and just nowhere in, nowhere in any of that will you find Nelson saying to go get a big old line of credit against your primary residence where your young family sleeps at night. That, it, nowhere. So, I, and I told the guy, I'm like, look, I would classify this whole approach as creative insurance design and you can do what you want but it's not IBC. Nope. You know, just because you purchase whole life insurance doesn't mean you're doing IBC. But it's got a cash value. I can borrow against it. Yeah. And I know that too, you know, I'm sure there's this, uh, in our little uh, Facebook hater group that's out there, I'm sure this is out there, you know, that, uh, you know, we're just saying it to, you know, shark business away or whatever, or it's competition. <laughs> like, oh, that group that said there's nothing sells and they're all nothing but salesmen in there and they're poaching yeah. everybody that comes in there under the guise of, uh, you know, we just want to learn. It's a, and, you know, and it's a fine line to walk. Like, I, I do, you know, I'll see a financial profile come in with a new client and go through the advisory process and I kind of have an idea of what I think the right premium would be if I were that person. But it's always, I never tell them. Like, there's never, and instruction you should do this you should do that it's here's how it works you tell me what you want to do type thing and and then we talk through it but you know sometimes there are people who are so excited about doing ibc and they want to be you know they're type a they want to be front of the line they're first you know find the unique way or whatever you know so how do i make it better how do I make it? I want to. I want to do the X, Y, and Z. Borrow from here. Borrow from there to pay a higher premium. And it's like, then I got to talk them down. It's like, no, no. I that's a bad idea. You know, <laughs> here's and, why. <laughs> you know, and is that? So I, I just say that to say that this is not about just getting the sale. My God, if this was about getting the sale and cashing a commission check, you know, I'd be selling pharmaceuticals or something. There's. More yeah, money to you be You have made to look there. for that. You can sell pharmaceuticals. <laughs> you know, I love it when clients, and, and I have this call re regularly. I had it like Monday, this, this or previous Monday. <laughs> Lovely gentleman came to the event, and relatively new client, and he's uh, just a great guy. And he said, James, I want to run this by you. Now, you may have talked me off the ledge if you think I need to be talked off the ledge. Or he's like, you're probably going to talk me off the ledge, however it went. And sure enough, you know, I mean, but you're, you know, you're excited when you, when you see the truth, oh my gosh, it's so, it's liberating, life changing. Literally, this can change lives, not only your life, but future lives, your people 
children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, generations. And, you know, to hear that from a financial person, it's like, yeah, they all say that. No, I mean it, and I can back it up, and I can uh, lay down all the proof, right? Um, But when you see the truth, when you hear the truth, when you experience the truth, you know, you just want to share with people that you love and care about. Mm -hmm. So it's it's easy to get um, uber excited, right? Um, so, which is good, but and you but you don't have to make it better than it is. You know, no, there's no, there's no. no reason to to go through all the extra shenanigans to manufacture artificially high early cash value, and that's what all of these freaking approaches are. You know, manufacture early liquidity. You know, in my talk, and I'm going to do a longer lecture series like a follow-up to the mechanic series great man great why don't you just write a book oh <laughs> doing that too of course it takes longer and longer everything takes longer than you think it will it costs certain, more too cost more yeah i gotta remodel my kitchen i'm like bracing for impact there uh but you know during the talk i showed these I think these you can depict things in certain ways, and the way you depict them has a real effect on whether it's absorbed. And so, you had I, some pretty graphs. I had some pretty graphs. They're pretty. Had pretty. a little color in there. A little color in there, and you know, if you just take, you could the, hear a low in the crowd. Ooh. Yeah, there's a little good gas. <laughs> so I'm like, got him. Uh, oh if you take illustrated cash, especially on a well-designed policy where you can pay a bunch of premium for a long time with the right structure. You take that the cash value figures, you put that on a line graph, you compare that to the cost basis, or if you take the annual cash value increase, compare that to the premium. I mean, it's a beautiful graph. And when you look at it from like, you know, starting age 40, 50, whatever, all the way out to age 121 or stop it at 100, stop it wherever you want. I don't really care. And then you and then you observe that where all this conversation. I love this. Was I love this? Yeah, I love this. I think it was Probably going to drag me into creating graphs in the future. You know, <laughs> it was. I love this. Yeah. So this whole cut. So you look. He has an exponential curve on the big screen, right? Yeah. And to the left is the starting point, of course. And the further out you go, the greater that exponential curve is, and the more pronounced it. It's beautiful because he put colors on it, and then he put some numbers <laughs> in there, right? And so that was a. 12 foot screen mm-hmm. 16 know. by 12 i think uh no i think it was 7 by 12 oh, okay yeah okay 12 foot screen so this graph is going from one side of the screen <laughs> to the other side of the screen right and there are actually two screens in the room all right and then he focuses you know all the conversation look at the you know the the relationship of the numbers the, the annual premium the annual increase in cash value and the face amount over someone's lifetime not cherry picking a timeline, right? Not cherry picking a timeline. The whole lifetime of the individual. What a concept. Life insurance should mirror your life. What? Mm-hmm. Your whole life or just part? Okay, okay. To the very left, all the focus. He narrowed it down to where all the focus is on this artificial, I call it artificial liquidity, mm-hmm. you know, in the, in the first three or four or five or six, seven years. And when you put it in perspective, yeah. you know, you're you're focusing on a speck in a timeline yeah. of your life and, and getting hung up. And, and that's quite literally where one starts swallowing camels and straining at gnats. Yeah. But so that was a very uh, that was a very 
effective and impressionable visual, mm-hmm. more greater than just a wall of numbers. Right. right? Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. And and when you do it that way, and you see, yeah, here's where ninety eight percent of all the marketing is focused yeah. on this little bitty sliver over here. Yeah. You know, never mind any of all this other massive surplus cash value, cash value growth over and above the Never mind any of that. Yeah. Never mind the long term. Total violate the whole marketing infrastructure online is a almost universally a complete violation of the rule to think long range. No question. It's complete and utter fixation. And afraid to pay a premium. You're afraid to pay. Don't jump over. You're afraid to pay a premium. Yeah. And it, it speaks to this broader point, you know, because I, I try to get at like, why, why does this pervade so much you know this emphasis it's a human nature yeah and and i really think it's and this is maybe this sounds harsh i don't care but it's (laughs) it's finding a way to justify a large premium in spite of insufficient free cash flow it's compensating i just got to get it started right now yeah compensating for insufficient free cash flow income's not high enough and if the income is high enough, maybe the expenses are too high. That reminds so, me of the country boy driving that great big old four-wheel drive that he has to have a ladder to step up in. What's he compensating for? Exactly. It, it, that's ex- And that's what it is. It's compensating for insufficient free cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. Going to tap other assets. And it's also compensating for, like, I've been lazy personally. I know, not you. I'm speaking of me. I've made some bad decisions. I have a lack of discipline. And I have had this practice of laziness, not being disciplined for some time, and by gosh, I got to make up for it right now. Got to make up for it right now. Right now. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, uh, he didn't build this world that way. You know, this doesn't happen overnight. Rome wasn't built in a day. I mean, the creator of the universe took seven days to finish it all out. You know, no, we can, let's have a conversation of that. Seven days. Overnight. How long is a day? Right. Okay. Yeah. But it wasn't but done. What does time overnight. mean to him anyway? <laughs> He's breaking it down for us. Okay. Sorry. It wasn't done overnight. And it's not, the problems aren't going to get fixed overnight. And it's not to blame people. It's not to make people feel bad. We all, I point this out whenever somebody says to me, I wish I would have knew about this earlier. Mm-hmm. You know, look at you. You're, people always do that, right? Because most of the people I talk to are older than me. And so I wish I would have figured this out when I was your age. And I'm, I always stress to them, I'm catching up too. My parents, parents, parents should have been doing this. Whole life ain't new. You know, this should have been going on a long time. We're all catching up. There's never enough capital. Your income is always limited relative to the infinite span of human desire. There's never enough. We're plagued by scarcity. That is the human condition. There's no fixing it. There's only the possibility of improvement. And you either start, and that's what was one of the points in showing some of those graphs was, okay, I start at 50 or I start at 30 or I don't care. There's a curve. There's a cash value growth curve that could exist. And maybe it slopes up ever so marginally faster than another one or maybe it's a little more leveled out well you mean uh, 
Can I buy it on my wife? She's younger. Can I buy it on my children? They're yeah. so much younger. Yeah, there's always a reason to, yeah. uh, you know, disc, discount one's own insurability. Always want to look somewhere else, right? Because we never want to look inward. This is brutal. We're going to lose viewers over this. You are. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm going to gain viewers. <laughs> you know, hey. the, we always, and I just speaking broadly about, because I've, I've constantly come back to this idea of the relationship between capital and opportunity, and people ask, you know, how should I best use my policy? And it's like, why do you expect someone else to have that answer? Right? That the answer, the best answer to that question doesn't exist yet. Okay. By definition, right? It, the best answer to the, there's value in liquidity. If it is, if it is, opportunity doesn't exist, right? Opportunity is what we call our implicit judgment of certain sets of circumstances that appear to us to be amenable to our intervention such that we can produce a better outcome, right? We mentally collapse that into this thing we call opportunity. And one of the elements that affects that implicit subconscious judgment is our own knowledge of how much money we can get to, right? It's our own capital. So it, I think it is, it's a true, it's a tautology. It's just necessarily true. This, that idea that capital attracts opportunity. The more money you have, the broader the set of circumstances, everything else equal that will appear opportune. I think that's like what uh, Nietzsche would have called like a synthetic a priori truth. Like it's just necessarily the case. If you're walking around with more money, the set of circumstances you can get involved in is broader period. So it's necessarily the case. Like, so in that, if that is the case, and I think it is, in that scenario, if I'm constantly rate chasing, I'm constantly searching without, I'm constantly going to the other. I'm looking around the corner, looking for the magic, right? Where else? Where else? And I'm 50 years old or I'm 60 or I'm 30 or whatever, and all these years have gone by and I haven't found it. Maybe, maybe the case is that it's in the one place you haven't looked like in the mirror, right? Maybe it's in there. It you know, is all, brutal. All of these, well, somebody's got to say this stuff because the internet is flooded with all this, oh, this, do this, do that. Uh, and then commentary upon commentary upon commentary about all these other proposals. It's like, people ask me like, well, what should I do with my policies? I mean, maybe you should start journaling daily, mm. right? Maybe you should start taking an hour or two or three a day and like start a program of serious ongoing introspection. You know, maybe there's parts of your character and what you're doing that need to be different. That was certainly the case with me, right? Entering into academia, spend, spending 10 years or however long it was, running into walls over and over again. Where's the opportunity? Where's the best program? What if I go to this side of the country? What do I go over here? You know, how could I maneuver in order to, how could I find the right academic career path out there mm -hmm. right out not in, not internal not, not like what presuppositions absolutely do i have that i need absolutely. to reconsider you know and life insurance you know i used to say when i first got in if you had told me five years ago i'd be selling life insurance i thought you're talking to a, a wall i mean you need medication i mean something's wrong yeah and but th that was because i had these own implicit unspoken inarticulate presuppositions that i had not discovered Right? And so this idea that I could have come upon, you know, the right answer from without by asking somebody else, hey, what should I do? You know, this, it's this idea that 
making money or investing or anything financial is just propositional. All I need to do is receive the right knowledge. You know, you just need to tell me the right idea and I'll accept the right idea and then I'll do that and it'll be better. It's like, wow, if only things were that convenient. You know, if only it was that simple. No, no. I think the right answer is the difficult one. You know, it's, it's a very union type thing. It's you got to go in the shadow. You got to go where you least want to go to find what you most need. You know, it's, it, it's also not this just hard work, you know, bleeding hands, you know, got to suffer and grind all the time thing either. I think there's a place for hard work. Don't get me wrong. Right. But it's not just beat yourself to a pulp. You know, I could be digging holes and filling them back up outside and working a lot harder than I am now type thing. But that isn't necessarily the path either. So I'm not saying that you have job. To, yeah, right. I, I'm not saying you have to beat your head against the wall either, but I'm saying that it's too convenient to expect the right financial answer to just come from without, that it's going to be just handed to you. I'm saying capital is a necessary prerequisite to the best opportunities out there. And what that opportunity will look like for you is only going to come from you. It, that's really it. And it's good to have people on your team or whatever, people you talk things through with to sift through things that might have a glimmer of interest or a glimmer of potential to you. Yes, you want to talk those things through and that's all great. But at the end of the day, the best thing for you is going to come from you. And I had people at the immediately after the talk, several, three, four, five, however many people came up to me after and say, you know, I'm, I'm reconsidering what I was planning on doing because mm -hmm. of what you just said. I mean, my main, not the only takeaway, but one of my points at the end was I would not want to be uber leveraged going into this time next year at all. This you time know. next year, you're talking about October of next year, fall of next year. Uh, okay. Yeah. Upon that, upon yield curve reversion. Look, who, why time it to the day? You know, it's okay to be well capitalized now. You know, you can be prepared in advance. Uh, and I explain why. And because look, and that is the exact opposite of this. How do I go take a loan? What do I go do with it now? You know, how to be crafty and use debt and all this. Th that implies a high degree of capitalization. It implies having a substantial policy loan balance. It, it implies collateralizing a lot of whatever the property is we're talking about. And I think the right answer is the opposite. You know, I think the 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 position I would want to be that I am in is very well capitalized, highly uncollateralized, right? Cash available, capital available, and that's the opposite of oh, what am I going to go do? You know, uh, you know, my heart goes out to uh, the newly initiated right i've discovered this and you know like you said i've said many times we're all play catch up yeah i wish i'd learned this sooner and, you know is it legal yes why haven't i heard of it is you know if it's so good and why haven't i heard of it before why isn't everybody doing it and all the all of these things there's really four or five things that you hear mm -hmm. every time i know when i first heard of it 14 years in the life insurance business i'm about 41 years old i believe Maybe 42. Nelson was 72 or 3, somewhere around there. I read his book, you know, and then like one night, and I'm angry. I'm literally angry. I mean, I'm, I'm angry. You know, it's, I, I've been looking for the truth in the financial world for 14 years. Um, really a little bit longer than that, but 
you know, uh, and I'm writing life insurance and I had no idea. So I'm, I'm legitimately angry. So I go and listen to the man after reading his book and I've continued to read it since. And I'm so appreciative that, you know, people will come and listen to me talk. Right. Uh, I'm appreciative that I get asked to return to places and they ask me to speak because in preparing for whatever I'm going to talk about, which will be infinite banking um, and money and philosophy, um, I spend a lot of time in Nelson's work. Mm. All right. So I'm, I'm very appreciative of that. Okay. So here, newly initiated, angry, and I go listen to him talk. I mean, I knew it was good. Mm. Right. Most people, when they, it's either caught or taught, right? Mm-hmm. When, once we catch it, you know, it's like, oh my gosh, I know this is good, but I can't put my finger on exactly why, why it's so good. I can't make those connections, right? So you keep hearing, you keep listening, you keep going, you keep learning, you keep reading. Um, and I was there. I suffered from FOMO my whole life. I'm the mm-hmm. youngest of four children. You know, of course I suffer from FOMO, right? Mm. Um, but I recognize that later in my life and I've come to grips with it and I'm okay with it and I suffer from it less, I think, but I still suffer from it. Okay. And here I'm in the financial world, right? And I'm trying to do the right thing for myself, my family, my clients, of course, of course, for, you know, if you, if, if I mean, ultimately if, if you don't help them, you should quit and go home mm-hmm. period. Okay. So I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm learning. I'm a student, you know, of my faith. I'm a student of my profession. I'm a student of history. And and because of Nelson, I really became a student of Austrian economics that I had no idea of what that even meant prior to after being in the financial world 14 years. And I did not, I was no, no exposure to the Austrian economic, you know, business cycle theory, Austrian economics. Okay. So I'm paying attention and I'm not walking around sleepwalking. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I am paying attention. I am trying, making an effort. I hear it. And I can't get my finger on it. The one thing, so I, I'm, I'm still chasing, right? The one thing that I consistently did, and I heard Nelson, I believed him. I was trying to, trying to make the connections, trying to find the magic, right? <laughs> um, is I kept paying premium. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Larger and larger premium. Of course, you know, my clients, they start out much larger most of the time than I did. Yeah, same, yeah. First mistake, we all start too small. It's okay. We all start too late. It's okay. But I kept paying the premium, dragging myself, dragging my wife, you know, my drive. I wasn't dragging my wife until the fourth or fifth year. Y'all have all heard this, and y'all met her, and yes, I married up, and thank God, you know, he did something for me that I couldn't do for myself. At one time, I mean, literally the fourth or fifth policy, she's, she, I mean, angry and the girl can punch. I'm not kidding. The girl can hit. Where are we going to get the premium? Like, I don't know. You know, sitting outside the uh, uh, hospice facility that my dad was in, and he, he died in April, and I'm sitting there writing a check that could choke a mule to the IRS choke a mule I, I mean i've listened to this i tried to be his water boy you know i'm like that was in oh seven um so i've been his water boy for three or four years paying premium and here i'm writing a check to uncle guido that could literally choke a mule you know it's like i'm I said it, it i have no better comparison it's like a man 
shaving every day, looking at himself in the mirror every day, and then all of a sudden, wow, there's a nose. <laughs> you know, here I'm writing a check, and I'm like, oh my gosh, this should have been a premium payment first. And I was still searching for the magic, right? Yeah. I just knew intuitively, because, you know, three or four policies in, three or four, it was actually more than three or four. That was three or four years, so there was more than three or four policies. Yeah, so that's not where he started. He didn't run his income tax through a policy, and mm-hmm. that's how he justified the premium. Understand that. This came after, already up and running. It was still going to be a struggle, right? Because then I knew if I paid the premium first, then borrowed against the cash value from the life insurance company, paying an interest, I'm going to have to make a loan repayment, and the premium is going to be due next year, too. Mm-hmm. Right? Still didn't know. I just knew I'm gonna, that's what I'm going to do. Mm. And I did it. And uh, haven't stopped since. You know, and so what's changed? It's me, the opportunity. You know, Ryan, you put it so well. It's fundamentally true that opportunities are attracted to capital. That is bass backwards, and Wall Street has it. I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again. It's worth repeating. Wall Street creates a product, an opportunity, right, to attract your capital. Think about that. Yeah. This is – it's completely opposite. I'm going to accumulate capital, and the opportunity is going to be attracted to the capital. And the way Ryan eloquently uh, conveys that is – now I have access to capital. Oh my gosh, my vision becomes clear. Everything walking down the street is not an opportunity. I don't care how well you present that, mm-hmm. Mr. Real Estate Syndicated Deal <laughs> Promoter. And God bless you. I'm just saying that uh, my vision, my determination of an opportunity not only improves dramatically because the capital in a life insurance company because that's where it goes not in your policy right it's at the hands of in the uh, accounts of the life insurance company right they're doing a pretty dang good job you tell me whatever what other industry has been around for 100 years and whatever variation i don't care if they mutualized demutualized holding company i don't care if they bought and sold 25 times i'm talking about a mutual company or mutual company structure that how many how many other industries that are not government contractors been in business 100 years and profitable yeah (laughs) i hear crickets right so my, my whole point is it's going to do just fine. So now if I've got a bunch of capital there and I'm trying to get as much capital piled up into life insurance policies as I possibly can because, as I said a couple of weeks ago, last week, we all have a limited opportunity. The day's going to come whenever you will not have the opportunity to buy life insurance, the opportunity to pay a premium. Dad, think about that. I know you're young, can't see past 30 years. I get it, but it's true. Okay. If it's doing well right there, and something comes along and says, oh, James, you can get three or eight, eight or nine percent or this or that, or it's a, an appreciating cash flowing asset, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah, does it come with renters and I got to pay taxes and I got I to do the repairs and what? Yeah, I'm not interested. Yeah. Well, all of, all of the renters in that multi-family, multi-door property are going to conspire against me. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I hear horror stories. I'm just saying it does pretty dang well right here. So it must do a lot better for me to engage my capital. Yeah. 
Right. This just came to me. I have to. I love this podcast because it helps me develop these ideas. But you know, in Austrian economics, we say that uh, profit is the return paid to the entrepreneur. Right? It's the reward for astute judgment. An entrepreneur organizes. Yeah. You know, entrepreneur organize accepts the burden of risk, organizes factors of production in order to produce something in the future that people want. And those people demonstrate it by being willing to pay for it. And then the difference between revenue and all the various wages, including wages ostensibly to one's own self for various technical knowledge, right? Because that's a hireable skill. You don't get a profit for that. You get a wage for that. The profit is the difference between all those expenses and what was earned. That's the profit. And it's a return to judgment. And it's a return to judgment. Look, if you are a YouTube viewer and all the judgment has been done for you, you are not an entrepreneur. You are consuming. It's just another form of consumption. And you're paying for a product or a service that you're receiving, ostensibly that's of value, but maybe it is, maybe it's not. We'll find out after the fact. Um, but if, if a, a marketing firm or an education company that's really a marketing firm calling themselves an education company has done the judgment for you, they're the ones that earn the profit. You don't become an entrepreneur by falling into some sort of invest, quote unquote, investment revenue, right? If you collapse the, and people get on me for being snarky about this, but, you know, I make fun of the idea that in the, in the conventional finance world, you know, they've Wall Street has collapsed all the financial an analysis into this two-dimensional thing where all you have to do, quote unquote investor, is observe the difference in magnitude between two numbers. Right? Ooh, 10 is bigger than five. Okay, that's not judgment. That's an observation. And there's no return to observations, right? There's only a return to proper judgment, to good judgment, to judgment that results in the production or the provision of a product or service in the future that people are willing to pay for where there's revenue and excess of costs. And so there's, and, and then if you take it a step further and say that investing is really just an, a, a type of entrepreneurial action, right? We're, we're making a, we're taking a decision in the context of uh, under uh, uncertainty, right? We're forfeiting control over capital, giving it to somebody else on the expectation that we'll receive more later at a future date, either on a repeat basis or one time, right? So rather either ongoing cash flow or a one-time cash flow, rental income and or a capital gain, let's say it's a type of entrepreneurial activity. If that decision to invest is executed under circumstances where the judgment has been outsourced you're just another consumer, right? The, you're really just part of the of of somebody else's product. It continues to hurt. <laughs> yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is, right? And once you see my view, once you see things that way, I don't know how you can unsee it. You know, if the and you hear this sometimes on like the guru stuff online. You know, sometimes these uber wealthy people will talk about like you know their experience vetting deals or whatever. And sometimes you'll hear this, that the right answer is normally no, right? So it's the opposite of rate chasing, of searching for the opportunity that someone's going to give me, right? And it's usually no. 
And it's I've made this point too in the past that positive economic value added, right? A prospective, let's even call it guaranteed, future rate of return that exceeds your cost of capital, so positive EVA, is necessary but insufficient to warrant a particular investment decision. It, it, that is not the proper trade. The proper trade-off is between the net rate of return on the proposed opportunity versus the next best one. And it so happens that we live in time. And so there's this thing called the future where there's gonna be some other opportunities. And so we have this unfortunate position of judging between known probabilistic net rates of return versus unknown unknowns and that's judgment that's where we get to make the judgment call and you can't make you cannot have you, you can't claim to make wise decisions in that context without reference to the underlying value of liquidity right what are my decisions today going to mean in the context of my capacity to take advantage of other opportunities in the future. If I've got to be uber leveraged now to go do something special that's proposed to me now, what does that mean for what could come my way later? Right? And the, the more expert you become in whatever you do, if you want to put it in economic terms, the more specialized you become, the further into the divisional labor you go, the higher your opportunity cost. Right. And so the the more skilled you are, the more wise somebody is, the better of a judgment uh, of a decision maker, the better an entrepreneur in the economic context somebody is, the more often the answer should be no. And so just uh, like in my talk, I talked about <laughs> patterns of behavior, you know, mm. just know that if you're going around saying, oh, let me, you know, jumping at everything that looks like an opportunity you are embodying the pattern of behavior of the average consumer. That is not the pattern of behavior of somebody very well capitalized and very well off. It's just not. So just know <laughs> that that's the context. Okay. And if, if a great, wonderful, I love these economic lessons. Preach on brother. Well, Sorry it, for the interruption. If a, <laughs> And it's not like you should never take a loan, right? I'm not saying never take a pause and there's never an opportunity. I'm talking about the nature of the decision, right? If you've got to be talked into or persuaded or there's a clever presentation or you got to be convinced, you know, that those are indications of the type of circumstance of the, of, those are indications of the, of the nature of the context you're in, right? Because that, what, what that is definitely not is a situation where you just can't believe how nobody else has found what you found, right? Or someone's beating your door down, begging to pay you money to go take advantage. You know, th there are far superior circumstances where legitimate mutual benefit occurs, right? The individual, both individuals to the transaction or all individuals to the transaction gain. And the people who want to do business with you, they're just chomping at the bit. Right. And, and, and they're, they're, these circumstances do happen. They exist typically on the other side of a giant barrier to entry in the form of capital requirement where the opportunity is so obvious. It seems, seems, again, opportunity doesn't exist. This is an implicit judgment. So if it seems so obvious to you that, oh my gosh, you can't do it fast enough, you know, that, 
that character of so-called opportunity is very different from, oh, I gotta, I gotta have my arm twisted. You know, I gotta see the, I gotta see the number. I'm gonna sit back in judgment, see the numbers, and you know, convince me to take this deal. Right? Those are two different scenarios. And the question is real simple. Which one do you want? Right? Which hey, one you want to act in? You know, <clears throat> look, I, I love that. Talking, you know, the different scenarios, the judgment, the nature of the decision, and then the comparison and the differences between somebody that's well capitalized and somebody who's not well capitalized. Okay. We're all human. We're all human. Every decision that we make in my humble opinion when it comes to the financial world is let me say the bad decisions I'll, let me, I'll rephrase that the the when you lose money you know when you make bad decisions and it costs you it's the decision was typically made out of two fundamental mm-hmm. uh, from two premises you know from two different fundamental, Positions. One, in my humble opinion, is out of balance emotion. You know, mm. if if I'm afraid, fear is an emotion. If I have fear of missing out, right? If I have this FOMO, that's a, and it causes me to take action. That fundamental characteristic. That emotion is out of balance. Mm. Now, maybe I have a big ego. You know, maybe my buddies are doing all kinds of investments in real estate or gas and oil or whatever they're doing. And my ego's uh, so sensitive that I've got to be like them. You know, don't leave me. I'm as smart as you. Right. I mean, that's yeah. an out of balance emotion. Mm. Right. And then there's always, and I know I'm, I'm breaking it down to the very fundamental, but the um, idea of knowledge, you know, it's like you say it all the time. Well, how would I know what you should do? <laughs> right. Um, so, you know, and everybody tells you, you know, well, do your homework, you know, do your due diligence. Okay. Where's this knowledge that you're seeking and acquiring? Where, where is it coming from? You know, is it based mm-hmm. on somebody else's misunderstandings or their pseudo knowledge? or their experience that they're conveying to you. And then is there a connection whenever Nelson said, maybe you should, you know, invest in or put your money to things that you know something about what he's very directly saying, you should put your capital, you should invest in things that you know, right? And what are, what are things that you know about? I don't know. Maybe you have some hobbies, maybe you have timber as a hobby, you know, which was what he did. Maybe, you know, you, you enjoy helping your family buy cars mm. and you have developed a skill um, of dealing with uh, automobile dealers. You know, maybe you're a horse trader. I don't know. Maybe you like heavy equipment and you've discovered that, like, this is something that you enjoy and wait. And now your knowledge about heavy equipment goes up. Mm. Maybe whatever it is, maybe it's coins, maybe it's crypto. I don't care what it is, but you have an interest in there to the point that that you're increasing your knowledge in that endeavor. Mm. Right. So we can all make a decision based on misinformation. Mm. 
fake knowledge, misrepresented uh, knowledge, you know, is not true, accurate, factual knowledge. And so the, the, the nature of the decision, the judgment that you make beyond this number is bigger than that number, you know, the qualified plan, I'm going to get a tax deduction today to, you know, become a millionaire later. You know that's manipulative when you step back and see that you're not avoiding the taxes. You're postponing the taxes into a future unknown. Oh, wait, and all of the future is unknown into a future unknown bracket. You know, so I'm telling you, it's very emotional. And, and two, when it comes to money, especially when it comes mm-hmm. to your money, the emotions can run high. Just mm-hmm. go ask your spouse. Okay. <laughs> so out of balance emotions can, if you make decisions considering, you know, your emotions being in balance and out of balance, the proper balance of your emotions when you make a decision, it'll go a long way to avoid mistakes. And then, oh, wait, maybe I don't have knowledge in a particular area, but beyond just like and trust you, you know, I mean, you've heard that in the financial world, people to do business with you in in any industry, you know, not only do you have to have a good product or a good service, but they kind of have to like and trust you or they're not going to return, right? So maybe I lack some knowledge in a particular area, but I have interest there. And then, oh, wait, I can connect with and communicate with some real people at my level, you know, Mm -hmm. friends, acquaintances, family, not some financial guru online, you know, not, not the local financial advisor down the road, you know, yes, they're likable. They're great people. Of course they are. They wouldn't be in business, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, I mean, I don't care if they fish golf hunt or what, you know I mean? It's like, so I'm, I'm, my point here is if I lack knowledge, maybe I should go to spend some time with people that are knowledgeable in this area that I have interest in that is beyond this superficial level of I like and trust you because you're clean and you speak in big, mm-hmm. big words and clear language and you can, you know, does that make sense? Absolutely. Right. So yeah. if until that happens, until I can make that happen, or it accidentally occurs and all of nature makes it happen for me, whatever, if I can just focus on capital accumulation, yep. what is wrong with that? <laughs> Nothing. But James, it's not flashy. Look, if and I talked about it. I'm just saying that look at a rate of return, rate of return, chasing this and chasing that. Man, Man, if you just understand properly structured dividend-paying whole life insurance issued by a mutual company, and it's very broad when I say properly structured, and you know, kind of going back to earlier to meeting the client where they're at, I think every one of us are, <clears throat> of course, in different places. We're all unique and individuals, no question. Um, so where I'm at is not where you're at. Where you're at is not where I'm at. It's not where you're at. And so when I say meet people where they're at, that's exactly what I'm talking about, is meeting them at their level of understanding and comfort, right? Not talking down to them, beating them up with facts or numbers or anything. Meeting them where they're at. Maybe at the meeting, at the original meeting of the minds, you know, we determined that, look, your philosophy is so much different than mine that I'm not, I couldn't serve you very right. well, you know, yeah. and you'd be better served elsewhere. Perfect. That was a meeting worth having, mm-hmm. right? So I met them where they're at. And then, mm-hmm. and, and many people, I mean, mainly agents, you know, a lot of agents and advisors I talk to all the time, you know, we can't necessarily work together per se, but 
if they ask and 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 sometimes even if they don't ask, I would share with them what I would do if I were them in their circumstances. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's a win-win-win, right? Um, my, I, I'm, if you look at the rates of return, all of these things that you're chasing and being encouraged to do, it is okay whenever you say the best answer may often be no. Often for me, the older I get and the more I understand – uh, it's a hard hell no. Most of the time. <laughs> okay, not only is it no, thank you, no, 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 thank, no. It's a hard hell no. And then yeah. if I want to, if I'm want to entertain myself, I'll even ask the whomever's propositioning, presenting the opportunity it would be why. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I love that. You know the the eagerness to take a policy loan as soon as possible to go do something, it just betrays a lack of understanding of the nature of cash value growth. Right? It's, a, it's an indication that, um, you know, your the financial system is leaking like a sieve. You know, you can't, can't give up control of that capital fast it's, enough. You're operating and I don't know. Yeah. You're, I don't know what to do. I don't know. Yeah. You know, so what What are you doing? What do I, you know, I got to go here. I'm missing here. I'm, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a solid knowing in watching your capital accumulate. And if, and if your capital really, like if it really was very valuable and important to you to have a lot of money that you could get to, wouldn't it be expensive? Like wouldn't the offer from somebody who, and it's always people, right? We don't invest in things. We invest in, it's always people. Someone's making a decision on the other side of that cash flow. Um, wouldn't it, wouldn't the, the proposal and the nature of that proposal have to be just pristine? It wouldn't have to be extraordinarily compelling to me to justify forfeiting control over some of my capital if I really valued it. Right? If it really was important to me to build up a pool of financial value. If that was valuable, well, then it would be expensive. And if it's expensive, then the justification to give up some control, even for a time, it better be wildly, wildly convinced to me, right? To me, because to get me out of bed, listen, I like what I do. I like the, you know, my economic work. I like the type of approach I take to education, you know, the online courses, the writing, I enjoy this stuff and I enjoy working with clients and I know where that money's going when it comes in and to interrupt that, <laughs> you know, to, to, to allow some, to really to allow some outside factor or entity or something to, to cross that boundary, you know, to violate the sanctity of that wonderful capitalization strategy man it's got to be it's got to be real compelling and so what for example i know everybody wants examples okay the book how to buy whole life the book i'm working on oh my gosh i could fill a book on its own with all the mistakes i've made going through there you know but but it's something i'm interested in it's something I know something about. It's a learning process. You know, it's a, I have decided that it's a worthy, call it an investment. I don't even think in those terms. You know, it's, it's like 
rather than what things should I invest in, it's better for me to consider who I want to become. Right? That to me is a more attractive way of thinking about things. And <laughs> passing notes to me. Oh. But um, all right, well, I'll end that. That's, that's a long meditation on opportunity and um, yeah. It's really we, we were almost not going to podcast today. Yeah, I mean that that really goes to proper classification of your own capital. Yeah, I'm telling you. So, okay, thanks for listening. I had a, I had a great time and went like twice as long as I expected. So, yeah, maybe we'll bust it up into four pieces. Oh boy, <laughs> thanks. Bye, y'all. Thank you for joining us on the Banking with Life podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like and subscribe and click on that little notification bell. Otherwise, join us on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher for weekly content.